Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. It's me, Luke Edwards. I'm back with you this week, and uh, it's a pleasure to have with us Dickie Wharton, as always. Hello, Dickie. That's very kind of you, Luke. Yeah, it's really nice to be in your company again. Yeah, good to see you. Coming up later, we've got Scotty Davis, friend of the podcast. He's going to help us look through the National League South. Uh, but joining us, we have got BT Sport Pundit and uh, a bit heavy-headed this morning because he uh, got through for Romford in the FA Vars yesterday. It's Scott Doe. Hello, Scott. Morning, guys. Good to see you all. It was a good day for you yesterday. Yes, yes. Very good result, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, one of those, like I've said, obviously for the players... It was it was fantastic, but just for the club itself, you can just see because um, obviously we travelled down a coach with all the board members, fans, and what have you, and you could see how much it meant to them. Um, these things don't come around too often, so obviously the boys had to make sure they enjoyed it. So yeah, it was a good win, uh, got the win, and now obviously we just look forward to who we get in the next round. I think the draws on Monday. Excellent. Well, we'll we'll keep our BDI on that. Um, it was FA Trophy as well on Saturday. We'll have a quick chat about that later on. But let's look at the National League. And, and only two of the top eight were in league action on Saturday. And Phil Parkinson was really pleased with his side's 3-0 victory over Rochdale. That's two wins in 9-0 for Rochdale. Uh, Chris Conclark, Regan Linney and Justin Amaluza on the score sheet. And, and Altrincham, are they defying everyone's predictions this year, Scott? I think so. Um, I've, I, do you know what? They're a side that I've, I've always liked, Altrincham in the National League. I've always liked watching them, covered their games a couple of times, home and away. Um, and they they used, to, for me, they used to kind of go under the radar. Um, but now I don't think they do. Um, I think people realise, obviously, what a great job Phil's done. Um, they've made some good signings. They've lost some good players, but they still carry on to... Uh, to pick up good results and I don't, I think like I said they were one that people used to they used to kind of go under the radar a bit but now I know people know um know what they're about and know obviously they're a very good side and it's a fantastic win for them yesterday yeah Rochdale a little a little stutter for them isn't it um as I mentioned there only two wins in eight and um I mean they're still mid-table they'll be they'll be fine won't they um do you think it's just a case of consolidating for them then this season I think so now, of course, it's for the teams that are obviously closer to the playoff. You know, a lot of people are just, as it were, playing for the playoff places. I mean, I think it's safe to say Chesterfield have pretty much won the league. Um, but yeah, for Rochdale, of course, they'd be safe. Um, I would imagine they want to keep, they want to obviously continue to build each season um, as obviously after coming back down. But yeah, I think so. I think they'll be looking for as high a possible finish this season. Um, you never know. There still is time, obviously, to try and make a playoff place, but and then just kick on and then kick on for next season. Yeah, I mean, part of me thinks that maybe they're not ready for it yet, Dickie Rochdale, to go in the playoffs. Maybe some of the fans might admit that themselves. Yeah, I was just looking again where they are in the table in terms of the, the distance outside of the playoff zone. I think they are... They're six points shy of the last playoff place at the moment, and and you know it'd be great. It'd be it'd be nice boost for the fans and nice boost for the clubs for the if if they were to get to the playoffs. But I guess you'd have to be realistic and say, you know, what are their chances of actually getting up through the playoffs? Probably, you know, fairly slim. I would have thought. So, you know, yes, it'd be a nice boost for them if they can get there. But I think 
probably we're talking more about next season now for Rochdale if it's going to happen. Interesting, you mentioned about Chesterfield, uh, Scott. Danny Webb said that the result yesterday for them proves it isn't as easy as people think. They drew 2-2 with Ebsley. Um, for Ebsley, it's two draws now for Danny Searle in his first two games against Oldham and Chesterfield, so not a bad start for him. No, very good start. I mean, me me as well as other people probably looked at that fixture straight away and ticked it off as a Chesterfield home win. Um, fantastic result for Ebsfleet. Um, two great draws. But we know from Chesterfield's side, I mean, obviously, Paul Cook, they're so experienced. They they have to keep taking it game by game. Of course, they're not good. They're never going to say, oh, the league is done. But of course, they're not going to. It is a tough, tough league. But it's just a massive, massive gap. I mean, they would have to have... Not only would they have to have a serious decline in form, but other teams will have to pick up a lot of points to catch them as well, you know. But he's right. Obviously, it's not that easy. They got a draw yesterday with Ebb's Fleet, but it's still another point from at home. Um, so it's not a bad point. New manager coming in at Ebb's Fleet, so it's always tough. But um, yeah, for me, I think the hard work for them, in all honesty, is done. They've got They've got that big gap, which they needed. Yeah. Yeah, when you've broken the back of it, I suppose you um you can afford a sort of a maybe a slight off day, although a draw is is still a point, yeah. isn't it, towards what they want to do? Yeah, well, they say that. I mean, obviously, if you're not winning, if you're not winning games, then don't lose them. That's what that's what the managers will be saying. They didn't lose the game; they still got another point. Um, I think what it is with them is people get shocked because they're so used to seeing them nick games. You know, they they they've how many times have they been behind or how many times have they been drawing and they get a late goal? It happens so often. It didn't happen, but a point is still a point. Um, they they just look really really strong. The late game saw Lewis Walker's stoppage time goal salvage a point for Woking at home to Hartlepool after Joe Gray had opened a scoring on seven minutes. That's a big point for Woking as they moved out of the relegation zone and put Dorking into it. Dorking, they lost at home to Halifax and it was Dorking's 10th home defeat of the season, which Mark White said wasn't good enough. And that win for Halifax moves them into ninth. Um, another solid season for Halifax, isn't it, Scott? Yes, yes. Do you know, they 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 have impressed me. Um, when they lost their manager, obviously went over to Bow, I, I feared for them. I did because I thought it was... I genuinely thought it was him doing like such a fantastic job with the players he had there. I thought maybe he might take a few with him and that will harm uh, Halifax. But they've done they've done a great job, in all honesty. You know, after the trophy, um, was it last season? And then they've been um, not starting great, but then they're, 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 they're doing so good. Fantastic season for them. Um, yet another team that I would say are definitely kind of under the radar. Um but they're just showing that they can they can carry on going about their business. Like I said, lost the manager, new managers come in, done a great job, um, and obviously another another great win away yesterday at Dorking. Talking of the bottom, it's so <clears> tight. <throat> I'm just looking here now. So you've got Bournemouth on forty uh, in thirteenth place, and then Dorking on t- are in twenty first, the last relegation spot 34 but they're only in there on goal difference you've got Southend and Woking both on 34 AFC filed on 35 so as I said it was a massive point that for Woking yesterday wasn't it and Dorking it's a funny one isn't it because they always seem to find a bit of form but then they have these dips in form as well don't they yeah do you know 
for me, I think the most disappointing thing which Mark White will feel for Dorkin is I would have thought he would be basing their strength around their home form. Normally, you know, going teams don't always like going to play on the 4G services. They're obviously very used to it, the way they play. They play, obviously, nice football. So that will be disappointing, the fact that they've lost that many games at home. Um, but it is so it is so tight down there. So like you said, even just that point for Woking yesterday is huge. Any points you can pick up when you're down there, mm. they haven't been in great form. So sometimes it takes, you know, getting that point or something to kind of turn your fortune around to to kicking on. Um, and that's obviously what they did. Very good point um, for Woking yesterday. Just just on Darkin, I mean, we know how they play. And Mark White said Halifax just basically sat in him, hit him on the break. So when you go to Darkin, is that probably the key? Because, you know, they're going to bomb on. They're going to push on. They're going to have the overload that you can just, you know, go. we'll sit in and we'll just hit him on the break with pace. I think so. I, I would say majority of managers in the league would, and there's nothing wrong with accepting it. I mean, Dorkin have been playing this way f- together for many, many years. They play how they play. They know the patterns of play they do, they've worked on all the time. They're very, very good at it. So for me, it would be a case of that. That's how I would, that's how I would set up. I think they've obviously Halifax have set up perfectly because I don't think you can go to someone's ground like that and play them at their own game because they will be better than you at doing that. So the way that they've done that, sat him, soaked up the pressure, hit him on the counter attack, it's, it's the it's the perfect way. And obviously you see that with the result. And I would imagine a few other teams will probably be looking at doing that the same. A big away wins for Fylde and York has moved them away from the relegation zone. Fylde are a point clear of Southend, Woking and Darkin. Uh, York were 1-0 winners at Southend, uh, who are only out of it on goal difference, as we mentioned, and filed a point clear after that win at Eastley. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a good win that for York, a really good win for Fylde, and Fylde are in an amazing run of form under Chris Beach. I'm really impressed with how he comes across as well in his interviews. You kind of, you understand what he's talking about. Some managers, you think it all sounds a bit what what they're on about. But with Chris Beach, I hear a lot of clarity there. Obviously, York have got Neil Hardley, so that helps as well. I'll ask you about Southend in a minute, but firstly, Fylde and York, really good runs, aren't they? Very, yeah, very good runs. Uh, very, very good runs. Um, and like you said, uh, when 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 you notice those sorts of things with like the manager coming across really well, you you know that that's kind of that will be going the same into the dressing room to the players and things like that. I like that. I look at stuff like that as well. And I, I feel like you see how the manager comes across in interviews. Of course, like you, you'll get some managers who won't give much away. You'll get some who will give more away than others. But like you just said there, that is a good thing to look for because you know, you know that's how he's coming across to the players. And obviously it's shown in their form. Like you said, two very good wins. <clears throat> two very good wins yesterday for them. Huge wins, um, both away from home. I mean, particularly York, you know, getting a win away at Southend. Southend is a very, very tough place to go, as we know, for everyone. So, <clears throat> really good win for them yesterday, uh, both them and Fylde. The key, the key thing for Fylde is they've got Nick Harton scoring again, haven't they? Yeah, he's always such a, a key uh, part of, of Files fortunes, whichever division they've been in. He was outstanding last season in, in National League North. I think by my common consent, he's he's too good a player for National League North, but, uh, you know, has a loyalty to Files, stayed there. And yeah, he he's a, he's a very, very big, important player for him. I often f- think I, I, there were players came into Files in the summer. I know 
Golden Mateo's moved on now and gone to Kidderminster. But I know when he came in, I thought, how's he going to fit in around Nick Horton? Because you you simply can't leave him out of the team, really, because of what he brings. Um, and yeah, when they've filed have been in a little bit of trouble, um, he's donned his cape and his, uh, his underpants like he did last year and got them out of trouble. Scott, I don't know if you've got your ear to the ground on Southend, but we spoke about this on the podcast last week. Um, mm. And Rob May's made a very good point about since they've got the investment and the takeover, it's almost like there's a weight gone on the shoulders rather than it's been lifted. They seem to be doing better when they're under the embargo, didn't they? Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I completely agree. And obviously I know, I know Kevin and Darren really well. Um, and I almost think it, what it was going from, I do think they will pick up again, but what I think it was is they had this, they had this us against the world mentality. It was kind of like everything's going against us. Um, obviously, the points deduction, uh, not being able to sign players, um, obviously wanting fans wanting the, uh, the the chairman, the owner out, um, and it was oh, you know, not being paid on time. All these things, and it was almost like the players like we're not going to let this, um, we're not going to let this defeat us. And now it's all changed over. It's almost like you said. It's almost like it's gone the other way. And they're now like, oh, right, now it's sorted. We're not used to this. We've actually got a stable background as such as it is. We're not used to this. So it's kind of, and that's what it's showing. But I do feel like, and and of course, straight away, they brought in a few players. So you want players to obviously settle in and things like that. Um, but I do feel like they will they will turn things around. But saying that, it has to happen, obviously, sooner rather than later because we're in February already. Yeah, I mean, there's a real danger that could go down. As I say, Ebsfleet are in 23rd. They're only two points behind Southend. And you look at Kidderminster, since Phil Brown's gone in there, we'll talk about how they did in the trophy shortly. Uh, they've really picked up Ebsfleet, a couple of good results under Danny Searle. Um, Dorking, you can always see putting a couple of results together. So it's not a given that Southend are just going to pick up again, is it? No, it's not. It's not a given. Um, obviously, a couple of those clubs there have made managerial changes and it's and it's actually had the you know, an instant benefit, which doesn't always happen, but has done. Kidderminster in particularly um, had some very good results since Phil Brown's come in. But no, it isn't just going to happen. Um, they, I think they've got, uh, yet again, um, covered South End a couple of times and been very impressed by them. But I, I, I couldn't agree more with the fact it, it almost is like they're now, they're like, it's put weight on their shoulders. Now everything has been sorted, which is, I find I do find it strange in a way because obviously I know Kev made it clear to us when we was doing the game he was like I want to make sure the players who are here um, are looked after first before we get other ones in make sure these are looked after so for me as a player obviously that would be a massive boost knowing all this stuff has happened and now that's happening so it is a surprise um, but if there's if I mean Kev's the man for the job obviously to get them to get them up do I I don't think they go down no. I don't, um, but like you said, it isn't a given because other teams around them are picking up points. They have got two games in hand on the teams around them as well, so that'll be a big plus for them. Uh, the big winners of the day, we all old club, Scott Dagenham and Redbridge, a massive 7-1 win over Oxford City. It was a hat-trick for friend of the pod, Josh Reese, And uh, your old side starting to get a bit more consistency now and a thumping win like that can only help. Yeah, I, I see that result after the game. I couldn't believe my eyes, honestly. And... I mean, I know Oxford City have been involved in some games with some goals this season. 
Um, and, and my thing is for Dagnum, I've always said this, and this is in the last, not just this season, this is the last few years, that is the inconsistency. They can go and win a couple of games. By all accounts, they were very good against Chesterfield, um, unlucky to lose the game. And then they will go and lose two and then win a few and then lose a couple. And like you said, I know they lost to Chesterfield. I mean, there's nothing wrong with losing to Chesterfield, but the consistency is starting to show now. Um, picking up some good wins. And I mean, yeah, you can't get any more confidence than a 7-1 win at home. Uh, that is rare. So, um, and any the FV Young scoring again, yeah. Josh Reese, fantastic hat-tricks, sharing the goals around as well. So, yeah, I'm really pleased for him, really pleased with Ben Strevens as well, um, starting to show good good form. Yeah, and what a goal by Frankie Vincent, by the way, as well. Uh, absolute rocket um so down at the bottom then oxford city would you say they're the only ones you'd say are gone because like i say between ebsley and york there's only five points yeah i think so i mean you don't like to say you don't like to say it so early but in all honesty that that yesterday is gonna take a massive hit a massive hit when you're down there and you have Results like that. I mean, what is it now? They're seven points, right? Seven points. Yeah. Uh, seven points off safety. It's it's doable, but after losses like that yesterday, it's going to be a really tough job for that manager to get them back at it after that. That's a tough one to take. Um, you know, so things are not looking not looking great for them and by I've we've also covered them and I have actually been I've been impressed with them at times as well the way they play great young manager and that but um yeah I feel I do fear for them I think they're going to struggle uh, the other game the final game in the National League was at Boreham Wood against Maidenhead and an Eric Souza penalty saw them take all three points for Luke Garrard's side there. Uh, quickly, Scott, then, before we let you go, interestingly, four of the top seven were in trophy action, and uh, that's going to be a difficult conundrum, isn't it? A difficult balancing act, especially as, without giving too much away, that they got through as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Um, I mean, if you're, um, you know, for example, like the ha- like Halifax of last year, teams or where you're mid-table and that, you can really focus on the trophy and think, right, let's go for it. You know, we've got an opportunity to go to Wembley. I mean, for people like Kidderminster, that's not that's not possible. You know, I mean, they want their main aim is to stay in the National League. That will be their main aim. Then you've got, obviously, the other sides. Uh, Barnet, Br- Bromley have obviously done it before. Barnet, um, it's, you know, doing really well in the league. But like you said, do they... Do they do they think right? Chesterfield have won it, but they still have to secure their place in the playoffs. Um, the trophy is huge. <clears throat> it's huge for these clubs. Yet again, everyone wants to play at Wembley. That's what we all want to do. So, yeah, it's a tough one on how they go about playing those fixtures. But like I said, I think most clubs at this level love love a good cup run. It is good for normally good for the teams and the and the league form as well. Quickly, then I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you see one of those teams in the playoffs winning the trophy then? I think Barnet. Do you know what? I yeah, had Barnet in my head. Do you know, out of all those teams. Yeah. yeah. I fancy Barnet. And yet again, I think I've said it before, and just Dean Brennan. I know Dean really well, and I just love the way he goes about his business. And they're just, I've just got a feeling about them. I've got a feeling about them going. I know Bromley have, um, have got to the final before, but yeah, I've got a feeling about uh, Barnet. I think they might, they might win it. 
Brilliant. Well, uh, Scott, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll let you go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Thanks a lot. So as we mentioned to Scott Doe, uh, a lot of the playoff chasing teams in the National League are in FA Trophy action on Saturday. There were two games called off, Wheelstone against Hendon and Bishop Stortford against Colville. But six games did go ahead. Uh, as Scott's pick there, Barnet, they won 3-0 away at Welling. Uh, goals there from Gatlin Odonko, Zach Brunn and, of course, Nicky Kabamba. And uh, also Bromley. Former trophy winners, of course, they won 2-0 at home to Avery. They had to wait until the second half, a Michael Cheek penalty and Louis Dennis on the score sheet there. But two playoff chasing contenders flexing the muscles in the FA Trophy. Yeah, and it's a little bit unusual for this to happen. You know, we, we've had instances in previous years where teams going for the playoffs have uh, prioritised the playoffs over the trophy. Um, but... Barnet and and Bromley don't well they they certainly didn't do that based on on yesterday's um, results. Be really interesting to see what happens in the draw. I mean, um, they, they could they get pitched against one another. I mean, I suppose for the for the competition's sake, the National League um, and the sponsors would probably like it to be that the two don't are kept apart until the final. Um, not that that can be guaranteed obviously because it is purely random draw but um it that would be a really good final i have to say charlotte we'll get on to them shortly uh with the whole media ferrari this week they entertained solihull moors and solihull moors had the game out of sight in the first half two goals from jack stevens former bamboo man and joe sabara he was on the score sheet mark ellis got one back late on and again solihull they could be a tip for the trophy this year Yes, they could. Um, and, you know, that would be a pretty satisfactory return um, in, in his first season in the job for Andy Wing. You know, Solihull struggle for attendances sometimes in the shadow of, you know, the bigger Birmingham clubs. Aston Villa are having a great season. So, um, you know, that people be more inclined to sort of go and spend their money there maybe than going to Solihull. But it would be really good, really big for Solihull if they could get to that, the final of that competition. And, you know, perhaps truly suffering a little bit from all the, the, the hullabaloo and the hoopla that surrounded the club this week. Um, it was a Mark Ellis goal that got them their consolation late on in that one yesterday. But but Solihull were, were pretty comfortable for that. So, um, yeah, full credit to Andy Wingside for coming through. I heard for I heard Alex Bruce, Macclesfield manager this week, saying that they uh, they won't mind a run in the FA Trophy to the final. Of course, they got promotion to the National League North on their mind, but they went down to Tom's beloved Hampton and Richmond Borough by two goals to nil. I know Tom posted a photo of a looked like a blatant handball that Hampton and Richmond should have had, but it was uh, the Northern Premier League side who came through victorious. Lewis Fenton and Sam Heathcote on the score sheet, so that'll be classed as a shock. I think it has to be, you know, based on the relative positions of the two teams. Um, Hampton just having a little bit of a uh, a drop off from the the fantastic form that they were in over the last couple of months or so, and they, they built an, uh, uh, not just an unbeaten run but a winning run that seemed to go on game after game after game. But um, yeah, I suppose it's going to happen. They are going to have a little wobble. Uh, if if you asked Hampton. Would they prefer to go to Wembley in the trophy or would they prefer to get promoted? Um, Really difficult choice. I mean, I guess the same goes for Macclesfield as well. They're at step three there, um, just on the edge of the playoff picture. But I think everybody knows that they're a big fish uh, in the Northern Premier League. And um, 
even so, it is a surprise. Uh, it, it is a shock, you know, at this level of the competition to see um, a step three side go through. I think they might be one of the ro- lowest ranked teams left in the competition. So, um, you know, I'm yeah. sure Robbie Savage will be keen to see, uh, keen to make a Wembley appearance in the same way that, you know, we spoke to Scott earlier and spoke about FA Vars uh, and BT having one of their own pundits. I'm sure the presence of Robbie Savage on FA Trophy final day would be uh, a big pull for the TV broadcasters. Yeah, I think Colville is still the lowest ranked team because they're below Macclesfield in league position, even though they're at step three as well. As we said, that game is still to be played. Gates said, Sound like a hard fought win for them away at Hereford, and Hereford's been a tough place to go this season. But uh, they got the job done through Marcus Denanga. Yeah, Marcus Denanga. I think we spoke last week and said his his goal last week for Gateshead was his first in a number of months. His form was was excellent at the start of the season. He was leading goal scorer in the national league at one point. Perhaps you know things have changed a little bit under uh, the, the, the manageship of, uh, of Rob Elliott up there rather than Mike Williamson and he's perhaps, I don't know, maybe lost his confidence a little bit but yeah that was a really important one for Gateshead yesterday. They'd be I'm sure buoyed by the idea of getting back to Wembley for a second season in the Roman Trophy final. I don't really think they did themselves justice in that final against Gateshead last year, uh, sorry, against Halifax Um I don't think, you know, we, we thought they were going to use the open spaces of Wembley to, you know, bring their passing game um, to for everybody to see. And it just really didn't happen. So I'm sure they'll be eyeing a return to Wembley if they can uh, they can manage it. Yeah, and the final fixture to look at is, is, is another shock. Kidderminster, now Scott mentioned it before, saying they've probably got bigger fish to fry, wanting to stay in the division. But a first defeat for Phil Brown... It was the 93rd minute and a former Kidderminster player, Michael Gash, with the winner for Peterborough Sports. It is a first um, uh, L against his name for, for Phil Brown as the, the manager. But I guess given the relative priorities, um, Kidderminster would take staying in the National League, maybe just ahead of, you know, if you gave them, if you said, look, it's relegation or the trophy final or staying in the National League, I'm sure they'd want to stay in the National League. Um, we always talk about the irony of former players coming back and scoring against their former teams. Um, Michael Gash is the joint player manager at Peterborough Sports um, and, and he's guided them really well this season. We thought there might be a drop-off from them, but they're, I, I think they're probably surpassing expectations again. And to score in the third minute of injury time, um, that's a killer, isn't it? You know, if you're Kidderminster, it must feel like there's no coming back from that. Um, it's not the easiest of places to go and play Peterborough either. It's a very welcoming club but um, I know that the playing surface etc isn't fantastic may not have suited Kidderminster's game too much um, and well it's all academic now because sports are through into the uh, quarterfinals and Kidderminster out Exercise it doesn't have to mean lycra or a fancy gym membership a regular brisk 10 minute walk is a great way to get more active picking up the pace and getting your heart pumping can make a real difference to your health to see how much you're doing and how you can fit more into your day. Download the free Active 10 app. Better health. Let's do this. So we're going to look at the National League South, and joining us, we've got a very happy, but slightly tired, I think, after his long trip on Saturday, Scott Davis. Hello, Scott. How you doing, Luke? You okay? Very well, thank you. And uh, it was a long, long day for you, but a very a fruitful one and an eventful one. Yeah, it was. Um, too eventful for my liking. I think we've had 
some days this season where we've had eventful games and we've come out on the wrong end of it. Um, well, in a way, it was exactly the same type of game where we lost 4-3. Um, but in this occasion, um, or in this, on this occasion, uh, we managed to come out on the right end of it, which for us, I think, was our um, only last-minute winner of the season. A lot of clubs seem to have them. Um, but it was a nice way to win it, obviously, against a huge club um, after a long journey. <laughs> coming from behind three times to then put ourselves in front late on um, it was some way to win it for sure Now we, we have Joe on here a lot who's a, a Torquay fan and he's a very down in the dumps about what's happening there they were 3-1 up yesterday but could you sense sort of the the discontent amongst the fans there Yeah it's um, a lot of people would probably enjoy it um, as an opposing manager. But for me, it's quite hard to see um, because obviously a young manager starting out and you see someone of Gary's experience and what he's achieved in his career um, to be spoken to um, or to be sung about like that. It's hard. It's hard to listen to. Um, And I actually spoke to my wife about it this morning saying that if I found myself in that position um, where it was toxic yesterday, I'll be honest, um, I would really struggle. I don't think I could keep turning up and, and going through it. Um, but it obviously shows the character of of where he's been before, before as well, and, and obviously going through the tough times. Um, and in the strangest of ways, even though I know they're right next to us in the league, I hope he turns it round because it's it's genuinely not nice to see. Um, I think there is a divide, but I don't think it's every fan in the ground from what I can see and what I saw. Um, there's a lot of young youngsters that were sort of jumping on the bandwagon, um, creating the noise. Some of the older fans, the sort of middle-aged fans that have been around the club for years, um, weren't that way inclined. So I think now it's um, it's almost just jumping on the bandwagon. I don't think it's maybe as toxic as people are probably guessing that it might be. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously something that I hope they can turn around. Yeah, that was uh, they've lost the last four league games. They lost midweek to Maidstone as well. 3-2. In 2024, they've gained five points out of 21. Did that form part of your team talk as well? You know, say, look, if you can quieten the crowd, get them on the backs and you've got a chance. Yeah, it did. Um, it's something that we've obviously been around football for quite a while now. Um, you guys will know from, from being around it as well that we actually spoke about the importance of trying to get their fans on our side uh, because we saw last weekend against St Albans. Um, they kind of turned on them a little bit and they were waiting outside the ground and Having been in football in a different situation as a player, I know that that can have a massive uh, impact on performances and confidence, morale, things like that. Um, and to be honest, we never really got we never really got them on our side um, until the last five minutes when people started to walk out when we took the lead um, in injury time. Um, the place sort of seemed to have emptied. Um, but the way in which the game was, it was very high tempo. It was in your face. It was hustle and bustle. wasn't loads of quality, to be honest, um, because of the pitch and the conditions. So it suited us. Um, we're definitely a team of heart, grit, determination, desire, all of those things. The r- boys will run through brick walls for me um, and for the football club. So, um, yeah, it probably suited us down to a T yesterday. How are you finding juggling, playing and managing still? Well, I was suspended yesterday, so I didn't have a choice to actually play. Um, so I've served the first game of a two-game suspension. I've had 10 yellow cards, uh, which is unusual for me. I've not had that before. Setting an uh, example then, Scott. <laughs> you know what? You've, you've taken the words out of my mouth. So the referees this season, if I'd have had a pound for every time they've said, you're meant to be leading by example whilst holding the yellow card up in the air, um, <laughs> I, I'd be a rich man. So um, that's something that I found really difficult this year. Um, refs have tend to book me pretty much quite easily compared to some of the other players. Um 
whether that's deserved or not, I don't know. Um, but I've juggled it okay. I think that's thanks to the management team that I've got. Um, great people and they can take control when I'm on the pitch but yesterday I really enjoyed because I was able to share the moment with the staff in the dugout and the boys did all the hard work and and it's all credit to them uh, rather than me. Did you find that easy then standing on the touchline watching or were you like wanting to just go out and tackle someone? (laughs) I haven't made a tackle all season Luke so (laughs) that wouldn't be a problem maybe score a free kick or something like that but um, now, do you know what? When you're on the pitch, sometimes you get caught up in the game and you don't see it for what it is. Um, sometimes you're overthinking and you're trying to work out, right, is this the correct shape? How are they hurting us? How can we hurt them? And you don't get time to think. Um, whereas yesterday, I was able to sort of sit down with my notepad and my pen um, and write out a couple of formations after sort of 60, 65 minutes. And you can look at it, you can take your time, um, you can change it. And then all of a sudden, I sort of went and thought, right, that's the team that we're going to go with. Um, and we made a triple substitution after 71 minutes. Um, and then, lo and behold, the one of the subs goes and scores the winner in the last minute. And I don't know if you get time to make those decisions as a player manager whilst you're playing. Um, sometimes it's just a bit knee-jerk and think, right, I've got to do something. Let's just do that. And um, it was quite good yesterday. I was, I, was, I was able to talk it through with the management team and um, and try and suss out what was best for us. Is this you announcing your retirement then from playing? No, no. I, I, lo- I love playing football. Um, I love playing football. I've just signed a new contract to the end of 2026. Um, so for me, that's probably what I'm looking to do is to try and be an option up until the end of 26. Um, it will take me to, to 38 years old. Um, and I still feel good. I still feel that I can sort of pull my weight and, and do a bit for the team. Um, but that's probably in my mind the day that I'll probably be hanging up the boots. Uh, but I don't really want to talk about that because I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> so, something else that you don't want to talk about is uh, the, the dreaded P word. And um, you're only four points off it, Scott. Um, the two, the three teams above you have got two games in hand. So I'll use that as a comfort for you. Yeah, it is, mate. That's the biggest cushion ever. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I think we've we've punched well above our weight. We've done brilliantly well this season in the league, um, getting to the first round of the FA Cup and things like that. So, overly proud of the boys and what they've given us. Um, yeah, the playoffs is in sight. Of course, it is. Like when you're only four points off it, um, I think over the last sort of twenty five games, our form guide would be right up there as well. Um, it was just a start that we had. We lost six out of our first seven, and um, we were rock bottom sort of in the middle of September. Um, so we've completely transformed our season. I think ultimately it's going to come down to the head-to-head games uh, between all those teams. We've got to play sort of Bath, St Albans, Tunbridge, uh, Hemel, Braintree. We've all got to play each other again. Um, so I think those games are going to become six-pointers, as they call them, the old cliche. Um, but yeah, if we finish, if we finish twelfth or thirteenth, we've still had a great season. Um, so we'll sort of dampen the hopes of people that are talking about the playoffs we'll let other people talk about it um like I said to you just before we came on air there's people saying that we're their dark horses and that's absolutely fine but we're not our own dark horses if that makes sense we're just going game by game seeing how it goes and uh we'll just enjoy the rest of the season Uh, your home record's got to be a part of you know the reason you are where you are is it what what is it particular about playing at Arbor Park that that, that's you know inspired that Scott Dicky, I have no idea. Um, I'll be honest with you. So, it's we got beat five two in September, and um, I can say this now. I tried to walk away after the game. Um, we'd lost six out of seven. We'd only won the one game. We had three points. We were rock bottom and just been beaten five two at home. And turned around to the board and I said that I was struggling. I said I don't think I can do this any longer. Um, 
and they just said to me, you're not the solution, you're the problem. Um, no, the other way around. <laughs> the other way around. You're not the problem, you're the solution. Uh, we don't want you to go. Can you just do Tuesday night at Dartford for us? So I went into that with sort of gritted teeth. Um, we ended up winning that game and going 10 unbeaten. Um, so that was a massive turning point in the year. And since that game that we lost 5-2 against Tunbridge at home, we've gone 16 unbeaten. We've won 11, drawn 5 and kept uh, 10 clean sheets in that time. So it's been a hell of a turnaround, um, but it's not just us. I think it's the actual club itself is such a good place. Um, I've stressed this over the six years that I've been there. The fans make it what it is, a really good bunch. I've been there for six years and I've never heard a boo in my life. Um, that's the type of people that they are. Even when we lost 5-2 to Tunbridge, it was all like full of support and um, clapping us off the pitch. So it's a nice place to play, but we make it a difficult place to play as players. Um I think we're high tempo, we're in your face, we don't let teams breathe um, and we turn it into a fortress and we want to make sure that it's not a place, an easy place to come for clubs. Sure. I mean, you are a bit of a rarity. I mean, I was only thinking that there really aren't that many player managers operating in anywhere in the National League now and it used to be quite a common thing that, you know, you'd uh, you'd have a dual role, that you'd have a, a player and manager but I think probably the demands even at this level now mean that it, it's just really, really hard to to make that workable but you, you know you're doing so at the moment yeah I think for me it's um, obviously credit to the management team as well that allow me to focus on the football itself um, but there's so many positives to it as well that when you play in the team you can almost figure out what we need a little bit easier um, and when you're playing against players you can identify players that are very good players that you maybe want to sign so when I sort of sat down in the summer and spoke to uh, the assistant and the coach I said this is the type of team that I want to build. And it was a team of players that I wouldn't want to play against. So that's what I've tried to build. Um, power, pace, uh, high energy. Because you can have all the ability in the world. Um, and I've played with so many players that have got all the ability in the world. But they don't want to run. They don't want to make it difficult for you. Um, so we try and combat the other team in our league's ability um, through hard work. We're never going to be able to sign people like Frank Newbel um, at Yeovil. Um, Frank's a good mate of mine. We're never going to be able to sign some of the other big hitters, Ollie Pierce at Worth and, and people like that. So how do we try and get to their level? Um, and for me, that's just by digging in, being tough, being a team collectively um, and just playing for the badge on the front of the shirt. A lot of the time, that's all fans want to see. It's not rocket science. Um, and I think anyone that comes and watches us, whether you're a home fan, an away fan or a neutral, will say that we give our absolute all. We'll look at the rest of the league with you, Scott. And, and Yeovil, obviously, there up at the top. Good win for them again. 4-2 away at Tombridge. There was two goals in there for Jake Wanell. And um, Yeovil are clear at the top. I, I, I'm guessing you're going to say they're the best team you've played this season. The 10 points clear with a game in hand. Do you know what? I'm going to go against everything. Right? So, Yeovil are the most efficient team, effective team. The best footballing team or the hardest team to play against the word, in, in my opinion. Um, Worthing are absolutely brilliant. I hate playing against them. I hate trying to set up a formation to try and nullify them. Um, they are all over the place in terms of their movement, their rotations. Um, everyone can deal with the football. The, the keeper could probably go and play in central midfield. Um, that's what it's like. So, I think Worthing are difficult to play against, but obviously Yeovil just find a way to win. Um, they won't sort of uh they'll play whatever suits the situation whereas Worthing will play total football every single week whether it's on a, a 3G pitch um or a cow patch and that's the difference that sometimes they might come unstuck 
Um, but yeah, Yeovil obviously a fantastic side. They beat us 3 1 a couple of weeks ago. We did okay down there. Um, but one all that you just said there, who scored two goals yesterday, he's one of the best players I've seen this year. Um, left side is centre half, he's absolutely brilliant for them. Um, so they've got some good players, of course, they have. Is that the full time aspect you think coming into it as well? Yeah, yeah, it definitely helps. We went straight from playing um, uh, Dover on the Saturday uh, without having to be able to train to face the team at the top of the league, who were obviously 10, 13 points clear, whatever they were at the time. Really difficult. We're trying to hand over information and work on things in our minds, talking to the boys on the coach on the way down there, showing them things on the tactics board. I would love nothing more to be able to get the boys in on a Monday morning and, and work on a bit of shape to face the team like Yeovil, but you just don't have time to do it. Um, which is obviously the shame, whereas they would be in there Monday morning working on um, things that maybe we're not good at or things that we are good at. Um, and it just gives, gives them a little bit more time, I guess, to be a little bit more professional. You mentioned Worth in there, and uh, they were involved in a 10-goal thriller. Ollie Pierce got four goals in a 6-4 win over Dover. Uh, George Wilkinson got a couple for Dover as well. And uh, as you say, what Worth in the pretty relentless. They've almost got this mentality of we'll just score more than you. Yeah, honestly, they they are so good. Um, credit to obviously Hinch down there. Um, he's one of my teammates. He's got them playing a style of football that the league has seen before. I think with Ebbsfleet and teams like that, Oxford City were very good at it. Um, but Worthing, I think, have scored seventy-one goals now this year. I looked yesterday and thought, how many have we scored? And we've scored a fair few. But yeah, Worthing with their strike force, they've got Ollie Pierce. You, you can argue that he's by far the best player in the league with the stats that he's got this season. I think he's miles clear of everyone. Um, and he's probably reaping the rewards as well. He's a good lad. And he deserves it. So Worthing, for me, were my favourites to win it um, in in pre-season. I said after we got beat by them 4-1 at our place in August that I think we've just played the league champions. I obviously have to swallow my words with the Oval um, being far ahead of them at the moment but I think they'll be a worthy second uh, second place finishers and if they finish in second or third and play at home in the playoffs then I, I do fancy them to go up Chelmsford are a team that go under the radar aren't they not a lot of people talk about them they won 1-0 against Weymouth and, and they're in third and again another manager there Robbie Simpson doing a really good job yeah big, really good guy yet again um, speak to him quite regularly with Mickey Spillane as well um, who's one of my old teammates so they're doing it exceptionally well. I think their away form is the best in the league. Um, they were talking about it the other day. Um, and I was saying to Robbie, if you could get into second or third, is that what you want? Um, try and get a home game. And he turned around and he said, well, our away form is actually better than our home form, um, which is obviously the reverse of what usually happens. Um, I think they had a hell of a January, got player the, uh, manager of the month, didn't he? So done extremely well. Um, but they're just big, strong, physical, um, got a lot of quality going forward with your sort of Sammy Carruthers, Charlie Ruff. Um, Jermaine Francis really really good footballers um, so they'll be there or thereabouts for sure yet again uh, Maidstone interestingly they've played 32 games so they've actually played one more than most of the teams around them even with their FA Cup run um, whether that's affecting them at the minute because they drew 1-1 with Hemel Hempstead on Saturday it was a last minute equaliser from George Williams he's on loan from Boreham Wood but what do you make of Maidstone Scott? Big, strong, physical, um, for sure. I think losing Levi Manchi probably wasn't ideal in the time that he lost him. Um, obviously, went to uh, Bromley. Uh, he was very, very good for them, was their sort of talisman. Um, but, yeah, they'll, they'll be there or thereabouts again. I think they have to be. Um, obviously, a club the size of Maidstone. What they've achieved this season as well in the FA Cup is remarkable. Um, to still be in it, it's ongoing. 
it will be like sort of middle of February almost now um, for a conference South club to be in that like fair play to them. We actually played them a couple of weeks ago, um, beat them 2-1 at our place. And I was quite shocked by the size of their squad. They probably had eight or nine players that were sat in stand that day. So the strength and depth that they've got is completely different, I think, to a lot of other clubs. They've got a lot of personnel, um, but got some excellent footballers. I think Sam Corn's one of the best in the league, um, central midfielder there that scored the goal on Tuesday night. Um, I think he's very, very good. In fact, he drives them on from midfield, um, usually sort of dictates and conducts the game. Um, but yeah, they'll be there or thereabouts for sure. I think the playoffs will be an interesting race. Just two points behind Maidstone are St Albans. Massive win for them, uh, 6-0. And it's fair to say Sean Jeffers is back. He's been in and out of the squad this year. Now the new manager's coming, he seems to be playing regular. Uh, 15 goals in 12 games for him. And uh, he's certainly back and giving St Albans a chance. Yeah, no, he is. I was going to say under um, David Noble, he didn't play probably as much as he would have liked. Um, we played him early on in the season. He was on the bench and... It's always surprising to see someone of Sean Jeffers' quality on the bench when he's got obviously goals that he's got in the years um, of being in the league or in the league above. Um, but to beat, I've said Taunton's obviously a hell of a result. Um, I feel for Rob, I think, down at Taunton. That's one of the things that comes to my mind straight away is that they're obviously going through a tough time with the transfer embargo and, and H- um, HMRC and losing players and all this. And you hear about the sort of noise from the, outs- um, from the outside looking in and I get on really well with Rob. Um, so obviously, I'd like to see them uh, stay up and survive. Um, but then St Albans, credit to them, they've got a, a really, really good side, um, football inside. They'll play the same way most weeks. They've got players that can hurt you. They're solid at the back. Um, scoring goals for fun as well. I think going forward, probably their most important signing of the year has been Zane Banton coming back. Um, he's been out all season. I think he's only been back for a few weeks. And as soon as he's been back, you just see the results improve um, quite dramatically. Another team that kind of flies under the radar a little bit of Bath, and uh, they won 1-0 against Dartford, a, a good win for them. Chris Cook on, on 10 minutes. And again, Bath, another team, a bit like yourselves, a bit like Ch- Chelmsford, don't really get spoken about. Uh, no, no, I was going to say Bath are a very good side, yet again, quite young, um, with a little sort of mix of experience in there. Um, but they just get so many crosses in the box that they forever make you defend. Uh, they get the ball wide. They've lost Jordan Thomas now, who's gone to Cheltenham, um, who's a, a very, very good for them all season. But then they've got players that can replace him. Um, Ewan Clark's very, very good. Elliot uh, Freer's sort of been a little bit older now, but um, still got loads of quality. And then the strike force, you've got Cody Cook, uh, Scott Wilson. So they'll be... Um, sort of pitching in and around the playoffs for sure. I know that they've been close to it for the last few years. I think they've been in it one of the seasons. Um, but Jerry's got a really good side down there. They're honest, they're hard to beat. It's always a difficult place to go and play at Bath. We actually beat them there a few weeks ago. Um, and I said it was probably my best win as a as a manager. Um, and that was probably eclipsed yesterday, um, obviously winning at Torquay. Well, uh, down... Um... Just below you, uh, we've got Averley. We're going to talk about them in a minute. But just above them is Braintree. Uh, they are in eighth position. They won 1-0 away at Chippenham, thanks to Boris Altin top. And uh, again, Braintree doing a, a good, solid season. Always do. Um, Angelo's got them playing good football. Um, they play the sort of same shape every single week. They've just reinforced their squad. I think Alfie Pavey's just gone there a few weeks ago. Um who obviously started the season really well at Farnborough and went to Woking. Uh, but very young side. I actually looked at the age uh, of the league the other day, the average age, and they were 
that rock bottom in terms of the average age. I think it was like 22. So he's done really well there, I think, on a limited budget. I don't think one of, they're one of the teams that has a huge budget um, that can throw cash around. Got a lot of respect for the way that Angelo does it. Um, we've got them, I think, in a few weeks' time. And, and that's one of the games that you look at when I talked about these head-to-head matches. Um, that's obviously ultimately what's going to decide whether the team to get in the playoffs or not when we play your Braintrees, your Tunbridge, your Hem- Hemels, St Albans, uh, your Bath City. So, no, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but their home record's always been very, very good under Angelo um, and I'm sure it will continue to be so. So, yeah, Hampton and Richmond Brewer, they're in seventh. Uh, they played in the FA Trophy. I just want to get your thoughts on the, the bottom, Scott. Now, the only team to play in the bottom four were Dover. As we mentioned, they're in that 6-4 thriller against Worthing. Randomly, their only win recently came against yourselves last week as well at 1-0 win. Sorry to uh, bring that up. Nah, cheers, Luke. Thanks for reminding me. It was one of those games. It was um, it was a nothing game. It was, there was nothing in it. Both sides maybe could have won it 1-0. Um, it looked like it was going to sort of fizzle out for a 0-0 draw. Um, and we made a mistake. The keeper dropped the ball on the edge of his six-yard box and they've tapped it in. Um, just one of those days, I was gutted leaving that game thinking... It's a missed opportunity. Um, I think Dover have won three games all year and they've beaten us at home and away. But that's the type of team that we've been. Um, We've won the big games where it's sort of like David and Goliath, where no one expects us to get anything. Um, And then the games where people expect us to go and win, we we get rolled over. And I think that's the biggest disappointment. Um, We've thrown away a lot of points this season where I wish we could play the game again um, and do it a little bit differently. Um, But yeah, Dover will... Overall fights in the last minute. Uh, their manager has got them scrapping, uh, running, fighting for every single thing in the game. Uh, they're not an easy team to play against. Hence why you probably saw that they scored four yesterday at Worth- uh, Worthing. Uh, probably heart and desire. Um, they would have made it difficult for them at times and almost root their rewards. Yeah, they're, they're eight points off getting out of safety. Taunton, I've got a bit of a cushion on Welling. They're in 20th and Truro are in 18th, and they've got a few games in hand, Truro. Now, interestingly, I want to ask you, Scott, because they announced this week that Truro are going to play games at Tartan. Now, if you saw the end of the Tartan nil-nil in midweek, it was like the Battle of the Somme, so God knows how they're going to get all those games on. I don't know. I really don't. I think it's... um, I don't want to hammer anyone's pitch because, yeah, listen, the groundsmen obviously work extremely hard, um, and I'm sure they work tirelessly to try and get the pitch in the best possible shape. I don't know what it's like um, standing on it because we, we've not been there this season. We're going there in a few weeks' time on a Tuesday night. I've seen the videos uh, and the footage and it doesn't look great, um, but it makes it a level up for everyone. Um, it's never going to be easy to go there and and sort of get a convincing result, I don't think, because it's diff- really difficult to find those moments of quality on a pitch that's going to be boggy, it's going to be difficult. Um, but I think the most important thing is that we obviously finished the fixture list. Um, Truro sharing at Plymouth Parkway wasn't working. Um, there were so many games getting called off there. Um, and Truro was sort of starting to slip behind with the amount of games that they've got um, coming up and games that they need to play. So ultimately, the most important thing is to make sure that they can play them um, and obviously try and get some points on the board, which I'm sure they're trying to do. Yeah, the bigger picture is, is for Truro is, is in the long term, isn't it? They've got investment coming in. They want to get back into the city itself. Um, do you think the fact that they have got a bit of investment means they'll be able to strengthen and get themselves out of it, even though they've got loads of games to play? Yeah, Truro, I think, will be fine. They've got a lot of games to play. Um, they're a good side. They've got an excellent manager. Um, so he was actually our game yesterday. So he's a, he's a good guy, and I know that they'll strengthen. They'll only get stronger from here on in. Um, other sides might get weaker. 
Um, obviously, with losing players, um, obviously Taunton, obviously losing a lot of players and going through the financial troubles. Whereas, I think Truro will start to invest. Um, but it's going to be difficult, I think, for the four sides that are in amongst it at the moment. I think it'd be really difficult for them to try and get out if Taunton win one or two of their games in hand, or if if Truro win a game or two in hand. You're then asking for the bottom four to go and win four or five games to catch them up. Um, so it is going to be tricky for them. Um, yet again, it's going to come down to those head-to-head matches, like I said about the playoffs. I think it'll be the same when it when you're talking about the teams possibly in and around the relegation zone as well. Now, we're going to look at the North shortly. I know uh, Dickie wants to ask you a question because you just recently lost a player who's gone to uh, the league leaders, Tamworth. Dickie? Yeah, mainly, well, I won't embarrass myself by attempting a pronunciation of his name, but uh, obviously the, um, it's a blow to you to, to lose a player to, um, I guess, an, an equivalent division going from south to north. But uh, yeah, just wondered if you could talk us through that one, Scott. Yeah, so they put a seven-dayer in for Manash Sundere, just so you can get a pronunciation. Um, they put a seven-dayer in a couple of weeks ago before the game we played against Yeovil. And I knew that it was sort of float his boat um, with being where they are in the league. They're obviously miles clear. They're doing exceptionally well. The night that we played Yeovil, um, Scunthorpe played Tamworth and Tamworth beat them 1-0 and we obviously lost 3-1. And I looked at the result and thought, he's going to go. Um and he did obviously leave in the end. Ultimately, he said because of football and decision um, that he wants to go and play in the National League Premier. And that's obviously a massive carrot um, if he can go and achieve that, get promoted with Tamworth, which I believe they will now. I think the results went for them again yesterday. Um, so there's no hard feelings. Love him to bits. Um, great, great player. Great lad. Um, gutted to lose him. Um, a lot of managers will say we wish him well and um but it's about the team he's been brilliant for us there's no denying that um didn't want to lose him but i also didn't beg him to stay in the weirdest of ways that i like players to make their own minds up if you want to be with us be with us if you don't want to be with us and you want to be somewhere else then that's absolutely fine um we want people to sort of fall through the door to play for us um and at the time he couldn't he couldn't say that that he wanted to. Do, uh, he couldn't say that he wanted to do that, and Tamworth was more appealing. So that it's our loss. Um, is their gain for sure? Um, but yeah, great lad, and he'll do. He'll do really well for them, I'm sure. Uh, Bro, well, Scott, best of luck for the season. I know you've achieved aim one of avoiding relegation, so the chairman will be happy. Uh, I won't ask you about aim two again. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't worry about that one. <laughs> we'll leave that. But now, listen, guys. Great to speak to you as always. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Little segue from Scott Davis losing a play to Tamworth moves us nicely into the National League North and, and joining Dickie and myself to help us look over it. It is Christian James. Hello, Christian. Hi, how are we doing? Very well. And we heard about Tamworth being strengthened there. And uh, well, they went from strength to strength. As Scott mentioned, a big win for them against Scunthorpe. And then they uh, got a good win against Farsley on Saturday. They did. They're on a remarkable run, Tamworth. It's eight successive clean sheets now for for Jazz Singh in his defence, uh, hunting down what I believe is the league record of ten uh, that was set by us over at Boston uh, fourteen seasons ago. Now James McKeown in goal, uh, who went on to Grimsby. So uh, no, they've been excellent. Obviously, if you don't concede, you don't lose too many games, and uh, they're twelve points clear now. A one 0 win over Farsley Celtic uh, down at the Lamb. Um, Tom Tonks header from a long throw in, which is their real threat, really. Um, Not his long throw. And then, <laughs> sorry, no, no, from a long throw, absolutely. Wow. No, they've uh, they've got a couple that can uh, can get them into the mixer there, and uh, yeah, it was Tonks this time that 
that converted. So I saw that they sent some stats out themselves after the game yesterday. It was 23rd win of 33 games played, 12 unbeaten and eight successive clean sheets. So with uh, a Scunthorpe result, I'm sure that we'll come on to. Uh, you would be brave to bet against Tamworth now, which I didn't expect to be saying even this time, sort of a month ago. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see. I'd love to see Tom Tonks take a throw and then run and get underneath his own throw. I mean, he does put quite some distance on. I'm not sure about the height. <laughs> well, the uh, the wind we had when we went down to the Lamb in midweek a few weeks ago, you probably could have managed it. It'd have been perfect. Just <laughs> chuck it in, and then uh, I'm not sure what the rules are for that one. But it was a night where anything no, I could think happen. You'd probably be disallowed. Yeah. <laughs> you're saying about Jazz Singh not only has he uh, not conceded in 2024 he's also both broken a club record of going the longest period without conceding a goal it's a total of 808 minutes beating Dale Belford's record of 712 minutes from the 1988-99 season both in terms of games and minutes and uh, it's fair to say Jazz Singh's a faithful isn't he Dickie? He is, yeah, and uh, I got a bit of a feeling for what it's like to play against him, actually, because we, we keep knocking on the door um, and inviting Jazz to come on, and he doesn't want to jinx um, his current record and how well Tamworth are going by coming on the podcast too early. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's kept a clean sheet against us as well up till this point. Yeah, as we mentioned, it's Tamworth who are clear of Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe do have a game in hand, but they lost at home to, uh, I think, a team we can... I, I said to Dickie before we came on air, very Spursy. We could call him Curzony because they'll lose at home to Farsley, but then they'll go to Scunthorpe and win. And that's exactly what they did on Saturday. They did, yeah. They seemed to really stand up to the the big occasion, Curzon. Um They seem to be a club that rather relishes the fact that some teams maybe see them as a smaller side in the division or don't expect too much of them. But they weren't too far away from the playoffs last year. Um, they maybe finished sort of six points out because I think they had uh, the top two left to play come the end of the season. But uh, they were still in it with a week to go. And the manager, Craig Mann, he signed a new contract this week. Um, he said that he hoped the result would bring recognition to a club that's gone under the radar. But they're well established now at this level. And uh, yeah, it was a Jimmy Spencer goal on 34 minutes. And uh, Cam Mason saw out another clean sheet against the Scunthorpe crowd that... Uh, seemed to be losing patience with the manager, uh, Jimmy Dean. They uh, lost two points very late up at Blythe on Tuesday night and uh, suddenly they're 12 points off the pace with just the one game in hand. Yeah, ordinarily second in the division would be good, but for Scunthorpe, it's, it's not good enough, is it? No, I think everyone expected them, the size of the club. Then you looked at who they signed in the summer. Um, I, I thought they would probably be the ones 12 points clear by now. Uh, they've only won two of the last seven, which isn't ideal. And um, yeah, I think you can see that the supporters are, are getting worried. I know the board have spoken about how they've had to cut costs since they've come in, quite understandably, the way their season was going off the field. Uh, and you would assume that the budget next season probably won't be as outlandish as it has been this year. So you do wonder for Scunthorpe if they don't do it this season, um, once they've been able to cut their cloth more accordingly, how might they go in a season two at the National League North? Dickie, um, yeah, and they've announced you can buy shares as well this week. Yeah, they have. Um, I think there's, there has been an announcement about um, a share issue from Scunthorpe, which is obviously to help sort of bolster the club's finances. Um, I suppose what that suggests to me is, is that having had the takeover, um, 
that the you know they, there was clearly sufficient money there to to get them so far uh, and to, and to purchase the club from from David Hilton, but the, there wasn't enough to really strengthen them for for where they wanted to go and where they needed to go. So um, fans in Scunthorpe being invited if they want to 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 dip into their pockets and um, become. I guess part owners of the club. Um, yeah, it's a really, really, really difficult one for them. And you mentioned Jimmy Dean there, Christian. I know there's been a lot of support for him for the way that he sort of galvanised the club and the way you know. I think they were under embargo at one point this season, um, and the way he's kept them going through that. But then again, there's a bit of a divide in that fan base in that you have some people who feel that's not good enough for Scunthorpe United. That you know they need to be, they ought to be better than that, and and that Jimmy Dean. Um, I suppose quite naturally the focus falls on him for some people that, you know, they, they feel um, they they could perhaps do with somebody different. But, you know, do you change at this point of the season? I think it's always easier to change the manager and blame them to blame a group of players. And um, I don't know enough about the ins and outs at Scunthorpe, but I know there was questions about squad dynamics when things weren't going so well. Um, I don't know. I think it can sometimes be easy to just kind of give the manager the bullet and find somebody else and have that short-term boosterism. Um, is that going to help them through to what fans seem to be assuming is a playoff campaign now? I don't know. We saw Kings Lynn lost their manager at the back end of last season, uh, not by choice, but um, they managed to keep the form going and then it all fell apart in the playoffs. So you've come this far, you have got a lot of positive results, even if it's not the kind of 100-point season that, many Scunthorpe fans will have been demanding and I think you stick with it. It's a tough place to go. If they can secure a second, then they're not going to be leaving Scunthorpe during the playoffs and you would back them with a large crowd um, to still go and do the business. I, I Like I say, there's obviously voices that have seen a lot more of Scunthorpe than I have, but um, it would seem an odd decision sat well clear of third um, and losing or you know losing out for now to a Tamworth team that have been excellent um, and just haven't conceded any goals. There's not too much shame in that for me. As a Boston United fan, will you be dipping your hand in and buying shares in Scunthorpe? I'm not tempted. We've got a, a fourth end of the ground to build, and uh, there's no no fundraisers yet. But I think I'll save my uh, save my loose change for a cause a bit closer to home. It's uh, it's good to see that Scunthorpe have obviously been able to secure themselves to an extent, and hopefully. Hopefully that continues. It's a juggernaut of a club at this level and I'm sure it's not cheap to run it regardless of which players you've got. I think Scunthorpe have perhaps gone through a little bit of the same experience. We've spoken about South End earlier in the podcast in that, you know, when the world was against them, I think everybody had this feeling that as soon as those matters could all be resolved, that, you know, they'd just spread their wings and fly. And it hasn't quite worked out like that. Um, you know, they've been struck by a blow that Callum Roberts, a player they signed in the summer and who I think everybody agrees when he's on his day is probably much too good for National League North. He's injured yet again. Um, I mean, principally, that's really tough look for Callum Roberts because you know his career is being dogged by injury at the moment and he, he's got so much promise so first of all it's I wouldn't say a tragedy but it, you know it's it's a difficult time for him but you know having invested in a player like him and, and sort of like set their stall out by saying that's the kind of player we're going to go for and then you know they're robbed of his services They can be a very exciting side but um, they've not been kind of rolling teams over like you would assume a club that plays that real sort of front-footed, aggressive football, you know, you would have maybe expected them to thrash a couple of teams by now on the right day. But 
Um, they've been grinding out good results. You know, they went to Peterborough Sports in midweek and won one nil, that sort of thing. Um, there just haven't been enough of them recently, and that's allowed Tamworth to open up a gap, coupled with their excellent form over at uh, at the Lamb. All the top seven teams played on Saturday in league action at Chester. They took on fifth place Scarborough, although Scarborough were above Chester at the start of the day, but it was a big win for Chester, that by three goals to nil. Yes, that game seems to have been uh, set into motion by an early penalty converted by Elliot Whitehouse um, for a handball that John O'Greening described as uh, having hit his face. So I'm waiting to see a a proper camera angle of that. There was some fan footage from the Scarborough end that was very side-on, so it was difficult to tell. But uh, that set Chester on the way. Uh, after half-time, George Glendon scored uh, sort of midway through the second half and then the late Tom Pierce third after Will Thornton had received a second booking for the visitors. So Scarborough were in excellent form. They were uh, they kind of followed Hereford in going all the way through the playoff places, getting to third, and now they're starting to slip back down again. Uh, just one point in three for them. And it's now Chester that, that jump up to third at six unbeaten. And uh, yeah, so it was second uh, losing to fourth and then what is now fifth losing to third yesterday in the National League North. But it's so tight up there. You know, we could speak again this time next week and three of those teams could be outside the top seven altogether. Yeah, it could have been even worse for Scarborough. Brackley could have leapfrogged them as well. But surprisingly, they went down 3-1 to Southport. That was a surprise. Southport came to Boston last week, um, lost 3-0 and dropped into the bottom four. Um, but with Kings Lynn and Rushall inactive, uh, one due to the FA Trophy and then uh, Rushall's game was postponed, it was a good chance for Southport to clamber straight back out again. Um, Brackley seemed to be cruising, Danny Newton scoring after 11 minutes. Um, Port then lost Marcus Carver to a second yellow card. Um, I know Southport fans were suggesting that he was the one fouled in that incident, but he received his marching orders Um and you would have assumed that it was going to play out 1-0, maybe Brackley score a second. But uh, Harry Flowers equalised with five minutes to go. Uh, Josh Hermani put in what I'm generously going to call a cross shot. I think it was just a ball into a good area and it's gone all the way through uh, with two minutes to go. And then it was great to see Jordan Archer back on the score sheet. He's been out with a long-term injury. Um, he hadn't played since April until coming on in midweek and he got the third in stoppage time to seal uh, a really crucial three points for Southport and something that they'll certainly hope to build on. It's that kind of win, both in terms of against Brackley, but also the nature of it that can maybe turn a season around. Yeah, Dickie collector's item in that Brackley 1-0 up against 10 men, five minutes to go and, and ended up losing. Yeah, it, it's a very um, un-Brackley-like um, thing to do, that one. It's a, it's a very late collapse there. And uh, yeah, if there's any florists in the Southport area, if they want to pick up on the idea that um, flowers delivered it just ahead of Valentine's Day, then they're, they're free to do that if they wish. In the last playoff place is South Shields. They've had um, a lot of sort of... It's been a funny season for South Shields. They've been doing okay, but there's been a lot of unrest as well. But the uh, the emphatically thumped Gloucester away on Saturday, five goals to nil. Yeah, it's the third of four away games in a row for South Shields. They went to Hereford in midweek and won. Um, they drew with Scarborough last Saturday um, and they've got Alfreton to come. So if they're going to work out how to get results on the road, it was certainly the right time to do it. Uh, Dylan Stevenson and Paul ba- uh, Blackett scored two in six minutes just before half time. Um, and then Jenkins, Wood and Stevenson, again, were all on target in the second half. Uh, Blackett now up to 21 this season and with Danny Waldron out of the division he's going to be top scorer isn't he um, 
I believe I'm right in saying he scored in eight of his last nine appearances. He didn't find the target when I saw them, but uh, he's obviously in some fine form. And against a Gloucester team that have, have failed to to back up the consecutive wins they got fairly recently, uh, they've lost their last three, including at home to Kings Lynn, which will have, have surely disappointed them. And they're not out of it yet, but again, Kings Lynn picking up a win or two, Southport did yesterday, and suddenly the gap's back up to six points for them again. I mean, we'll come on to your team now, Boston, Christian, because there's only five points separating Chester in third and yourselves in 11th. Uh, you played Warrington on Saturday, who were just a point below you as well, and unsurprisingly, you cancelled each other out. Two teams that have not lost very many games recently. Uh, Warrington were quite pleased with their unbeaten run, um, which they managed to extend. Uh, Boston won defeat in 11, and that came up at Scarborough on a Tuesday night. Uh, Baltic evening and when Scarborough were, were still really firing. So I think both teams would maybe have taken a point before the game. Uh, the first half was very stop-start, uh, really quite an odd game of football. It was um, it was almost like a game being played in intense heat, you know, where you get sort of short bursts of, of activity and then nothing happens for five minutes. But uh, it, it really wasn't that warm in Warrington. But, um, no, they lost uh, Matty Gravosti. Um, he pulled down Sam Smart through on goal on the hour after uh, Satona and Smart had broken from the Warrington corner. Uh, Boston went close from the free kick and that was about it, really. Uh, Isaac Buckley-Ricketts had the best chance of the game for the hosts. He missed a header at the back post when they had 10 men. So, uh, no, I think both teams will be happy with their point. Uh, for Boston, it was odd because they're a point closer to the playoffs now. Uh, the benchmark was 50 points and it still is Boston up to 49 after yesterday but they dropped down two places so there's positives to take but you're sort of at the back of the queue again Yeah, it's um, we talk about teams going under the radar Boston seems to have a little bit everyone seems to think they're having a middling season but like I say, when you look at the points Tally, you're only a couple of wins off getting in the playoffs We had a big blow this week um, Jacob Hazel, who we brought in from Darlington in November uh, his arrival signalled that change of form for us really he, he's been excellent you look at a couple of his finishes and on first glance you don't appreciate how difficult they are there was a fantastic turn and finish against Southport last week which I only fully appreciated watching it back on uh, on Sunday morning but he picked up a, um, a, an injury in training uh, the suggestion is he might be four six weeks out which is going to be potentially nine games including yesterday um, obviously, if there's any hold-ups with that, we'll be getting for him missing the rest of the season. So that's a real blow. And it's up to Kelsey Mooney now to step up. He had a good start to the season and then played on with some injuries while Boston were trying to recruit Hazel. And he's not recovered his form yet, um, which is maybe, again, contributes to your nil-nil yesterday. Boston missing their, their talisman up front. I'm going to ask you quickly your thoughts, guys, on on, on Charlie this week, they, they lost in the FA Trophy against Solihull Moors, which uh, we've already mentioned. But there's been a lot of media interest around the club this week. Uh, there was sort of, uh, have they paid an HMRC bill? Yes, they have. No, they haven't. And then there was interest from Boyzone. Um, I suppose no matter what happens, they'll uh, they'll be invested in it. But let's hope it's not just words, eh, Dickie? Yeah, it isn't it a wonder what's going on at Jolie at the moment? Um, yeah, an absolutely bizarre week 
um, in you know a, a, a fairly small Lancashire town there with what's going on. Um, I think I read yesterday there might even be some interest. It's both it's a boys' own and Westlife collaboration that's potentially being mooted for the club. Um, I mean, there were members of of the band who turned up at the at the game yesterday, but. Yeah, so there's there's some quite muddy waters there around that one. Obviously, they they are under new ownership um, at Chorley, or they were in, uh, have been since the summer. You know, we've had the spectacle of Jamie Vermiglio being on BBC Breakfast Television talking about Boys Own's interest in the football club. You've got this issue or p- uh, apparent issue with a a winding up order um, floating around in the background. I know. Um, if you go onto the National League website these days, the National League, um, and, and hats off to them for this, have added for, for reasons of transparency, a governance page where you can see, you know, which teams are playing under transfer embargoes at the moment. Surely are under one of those currently, um, which one assumes is based on the regular reporting that the National League get from HMRC around uh, debts, etc. So um, that that's claimed to be an oversight. We'll wait and see. I mean, if uh, it makes me, you'd think they will want the investment anyway. But I guess the timing of potential investors coming in at the same time as HMRC uh, have, have apparently issued a winding up order does look a little bit like the the two might join up somewhere in the middle. Um, but yeah, a, an absolutely bizarre week. Something that I can't imagine many Chorley fans would have um, uh, envisaged happening. Yeah, what what do you make of it, Christian? I mean, obviously they're going to go into the melting pot, but and it could be a mystical experience for them. But it'd be interesting to see what happens. It will, yeah. I think it's um, you don't want it to become a circus, do you? I think that's the thing. You know, Andy Priest is a good manager. Um, Chorley have usually been a bit of a no nonsense club, uh, a difficult place to visit. Um, you know, and and players that have been well established at the level. So I suppose whatever's going to happen, you want a quick resolution. Um, be it clarity over ownership or um, the situation with HMRC and the transfer embargo. Um, Chorley will want that sorted out as soon as possible, I'm sure, the players, the fans, really. Um, they can enjoy their time in the limelight and maybe uh, FA Trophy Week um, is the time to kind of do that. You know, they were close to Wembley and that adds to maybe the allure of things as well. But um, I noted that the initial wording was that Boys were to become the face of Chorley FC. There wasn't initially a suggestion about ownership and then suddenly the the tabloid press get hold of it and Ronan Keating's going to be performing concerts at Victory Park all summer. So it's difficult to quite work out from a distance exactly what's accurate and what isn't. But um, Chorley are going to want things sorted out as quick as possible. Else, These things inevitably can have an impact on form. And like you say, they're, they're in that sort of uh, raffle for places, really, aren't they, at the bottom of the uh, the playoff picture? Yeah, hopefully when the going gets tough, Boyzon will step up. Anyway, Christian, thanks very much for for joining us. Not a problem. Good to speak to you both. Thank you. Well, that is it. Thank you very much, Dickie, for joining us. Uh, Thanks as well to Scott Davis, Scott Doe and Christian James. I've been Luke Edwards. It's been an Aldershot free zone this week because Aldershot haven't played. And uh, Rob will be back next week. Does that mean I get the chance to say, play the theme tune, Luke? You do indeed. Before that, though, uh, don't forget to follow us on social media uh, on Twitter at NL Full Time and we're on Instagram as well. And now I'll play the theme tune. (laughs) 